Welcome to the Building Science Podcast. Welcome to this. Uh, okay. Uh, welcome, welcome to the Building Science to the Building Science Podcast. Podcast. Welcome to the Building Science Podcast. Bringing the human factor to architecture and design. Brought to you by Positive Energy in Austin, Texas. Okay. Hello and welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to the Building Science Podcast. I'm Christoph Irwin, here as always with my sidekick friend and companion in this adventure, Miguel. Hello, hello, hello. Hope you're doing well and staying sane. All right. That's the uh, requisite normal intro accomplished. I actually have a, a new, a little bit of a housekeeping item ahead of our podcast today, which is a deep heartfelt thank you and big shout out to Thermostore, who is going to be sponsoring our podcast uh, audio equipment so you'll maybe hear a a substantial improvement in that we're doing jazz hands over here (laughs) jazz hands so we'll be thanking them all year and uh, our goal with the podcast is the same as you know why we started the company which is to help our society appreciate and avail themselves of the many many ways buildings can be better and not just better for them and their families but better for our resources and energy use so today I have the really, really exciting uh, good fortune to have Chris Ermides from This Old House with us. And um, just a quick side note here, This Old House, as for many of you, is for me like a, a touchstone. It makes me, um, I don't know, gosh, it makes me remember um, a giant TV that was a console TV sitting on the floor that would go when you turned it on. <laughs> Um, so I have Chris with us today, uh, and just that's a long, that's a short way of saying that this old house is something that has really um, been a big part of my life um, as a carpenter, as a building science consultant, and as an engineer. And I'm really grateful to it, and I'm really grateful to you, Chris, for being on the show. And I'm going to read your bio a little bit here. So Chris Ermides joined this old house in December 2018 as the editor of Pro Content. And since then, he's written and produced a wide array of digital content, including articles and videos geared toward professional tradesmen and women. So that's a big pause right there. Like respecting the trades is something that really is important. And he is the host of Ask This Old House podcast, which is one of the reasons we're talking today, as well as the Idea House Build Series and many interviews on um, This Old House Live. So I'll let you talk about how you ended up... uh, Working for this old house, Chris. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much, you guys. It's a, it's a real pleasure to be here. Um, so I I was an editor at Fine Home Building for a while, and then at JLC Tools of the Trade. And while I was I was there at Tools of the Trade, which is a sister publication to JLC, I had run into and met Kevin O'Connor, Tom Silva. I'd actually I met them years before at uh, Fine Home Building. So I was. So I knew them uh, enough to not feel very nervous about walking up and saying hello. And I ran into them at an event, a Festool event, in October of 18, and we just got talking and, you know, expressed my gratitude to Tommy about, for his everything he's done for the trades and, and, and to Kevin as well. And, and, and talking, learned about uh, you know some opportunities that were that were developing there, and and just started a conversation that led me eventually a few months later to uh, to to joining them. So um, it was a pretty exciting, 
call and process. I'm very grateful to be part of the brand. Yeah. Working with these guys. Yeah. Who are just incredible at what they do. Yeah, I'd like to know more about that. So I want to take this two ways briefly here. So one is you don't just walk in off the street, strike up a conversation, and they offer you a job. So what was it you had done prior in your life that they thought that was a reasonable thing to do? Yeah, well, first, I don't want to present any misconceptions that they just offered me a job. It was a very, I interviewed, um, I went through, you know, uh-huh. it, was a, it was a process, and, and um, it, it was definitely not something that was just, you know, presented on a platter to me by any means. Okay. Um, the, I don't have that that clout or background. Um, so I was an editor at Fine Home Building for about five years, from 2005 to 2010. And for many years prior to that, I was actually in the field working mm-hmm. as a carpenter or a modeling contractor. And so I spent I spent those years at Fine Home Building, met Kevin O'Connor at an event once, and actually got to go to a shoot, uh, which was really an amazing opportunity for me. Um, you know, you, as you can imagine, I was, I was just kind of blown away that, you know, you could go to a, this old house shoot and, and was, was really excited to be there. So from fine home building in 2010, I left, went back into the field and put a tool belt on again and was also a freelance writer and producer. And during that time I met Clay DeCorn Mm-hmm. who was the editor at JLC for, he was the founding editor of Tools of Trade, but um, was the editor of JLC for a long time, took a break, now is again the editor of JLC. He's the editor-in-chief. But Clay uh, offered me an opportunity to work on this program for the U.S. Department of Energy uh, the, called the, Weather Resist- the Weatherization Assistance Program. Mm-hmm. The WAP. And it was, WAP, yeah. It was a super cool program that, um, involved a a variety of of freelancers like I think there were 30 of us around the country and we basically built a a, a, an Xbox like training program for energy auditors Um, you know we we built a game that you had an avatar and and you know a manometer you can manipulate and all different kinds of um, of of housing scenarios that you could you could change and walk into an environment so you, you know so all that so I did that for a while and then you know was I was a I was a project manager slash site super for a short time with a custom home builder in upstate New York during that time and I say sh- I say short time because I realized several months in that it wasn't a good fit for me um, I was working for my, my good friend at the time who's an architect and it was his it was his company and just said to him like look this is a great opportunity and I'm grateful for it but I'm not cut out for this this is not my strong suit I do not want to be managing subs in this way I don't want to be doing all, you know all the things that we had to do it was, it was really it, was, it wasn't a good fit so he he was very gracious about it um, I stayed on for a little while longer, and at that time I didn't have a job, uh, so I was sort of doing it out of faith. And out of the blue, Clay called me and and offered me this job at Tools of the Trade as the editor of Tools of the Trade, and I got to write content for JLC as well. And then through the course of some time, um, you know, happenstance, luck, whatever you want to say. Um, I ran into to Kevin and Tommy uh, 
you know, three years into that job. And I knew that that I knew that tools of the trade was there was some shifts happening there and at Hanley Wood at the time. And I, yeah. I wasn't really sure what the future held for me there. So when this uh, the opportunity came to have this conversation with this old house, I was I jumped on it. Awesome. Awesome. And I just want to interject. So you, by the way, I know Clay. Hello, Clay, if you're listening. Really great, great guy. Really great guy. Such yeah. a great guy. Mm-hmm. And there's so many people that are, you know, we're all doing this together, increasing yeah. the recognition of, of this important um, body of knowledge that we traffic in. But you having the presence and the clarity to tell him, like, I'm not thriving here is so important because if you're not thriving, he's not thriving. The whole right. ecosystem is not thriving. Like right. that's so important. Yeah. That you, yeah. Mm-hmm. And just, just to be clear, that wasn't, I didn't say it to Clay. I said that to um, my, my buddy, Mike Finney, who was the architect of the job I was running as a, as a site super. I get that, it. Oh, right, yeah, right, right. Of yeah, course. Yeah. So I don't, I don't mean, I just want to, I don't want, um, I just didn't want to misrepresent anything. Yeah, yeah, um, right. So my yeah, point, so, my yeah. point was exactly. I was Your just point applying is it in the wrong taken, spot for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know, I've been fortunate enough to have some of my articles put in JLC too. Um, nice. Yeah, so it's. Yeah, really- I recognize the name. I mean, I did. I when I was there, I was covering tools mainly, and I wrote a couple of articles in the main well. Um, but I definitely, uh, I, I've definitely seen your. Yeah, work we did one on in, flawless in HVAC, trying to mm-hmm. riff off of the perfect wall. Um, nice. So yeah, I, the other direction I wanted to take it a while back was like, so what's it like getting to meet all those this old house people? Do you you don't feel starstruck and like struggling for words or? <laughs> I did for a while for sure, and they've they were always have always continued to be very gracious and kind. I mean, they're you know they're they're all tradesmen and tradeswomen who work in the field every day, and so I kind of felt in some ways I felt a little like family I, I if mm-hmm, they felt mm-hmm. to me like family like I felt comfortable around them because I can speak their language I you know spent you know so many years on a job site every day like I just it just all felt very comfortable and their manners or mannerisms are like that they're not they're not famous people they're they're contractors and that's how they interacted with me that's how they interact with everybody I've seen them interact with so um you know, I definitely, I think I had to go through a period of, not necessarily hazing, but definitely a period <laughs> of, you know, you know, just, just having to delicately, carefully prove that I, I wasn't just, you know, that I knew a little bit about whatever we were doing. Right, um, definitely right. not an expert by any means, but I've talked to enough experts over the years and have had my hands in enough of the things that I can, I can come at you know, all the topics with a perspective or um, some sense of what, what is happening. And, and I think that eventually they, they appreciated that. Yeah, that's fantastic. You know, I, yeah. from my experience, so I was also a contractor for many years. We were talking at the beginning of the show. Yeah. And so what you don't know, I haven't told you yet, is I had a previous life as a high energy physicist and I did a lot of uh, interesting R&D, applied R&D. And the interesting thing there is that you can have like a, an aha moment and you're set up for funding for six months because you're going to take that to some funding agent. But in the building trades, you know, it's the exact opposite in some sense. Like you have to become humble because there is no clever way to unload your truck. 
it's heavy it's a long it's walk into the house you know like yeah. or, or i would show up at the job site you know like 5 30 after a trip to the lumber yard and everyone else is gone and it's like all right i'm unloading all of this now up to the yeah. second floor just me <laughs> right right and yeah you know, that's right. something in every show on the tv show i wish they would do like fast motion video on this old house of all the prep and cleanup and vacuuming yeah. That happened. Yeah, no, there's definitely a lot of that. There's, there's, there's obviously a lot of that that doesn't get captured or uh, put into the final edits. Right. Um, but I, I think people would. It, it, that it's the same thing over and over again for for viewers, right? Like it's, it's you know they be seeing the same thing. But to to your point, I think you know it, it's taken like you. There's so much more going on on a job site than what we get to show. Oh my gosh! Um, yes. And and you know very well you know carrying a ladder you know picking a ladder up off the off the off your ladder rack and and having to move it into the you know the house or or to the backyard and you're by yourself and you're like you know trying to handle a 32 foot ladder on yeah your it's, and it's, it's hot or it's cold yeah, exactly. or it's muddy and you just yeah. slammed your thumb with the hammer and yeah yeah exactly. oh my gosh yeah you yeah. know you know well you step off as a, mm -hmm. As a physicist, um, I'm just curious what that what that entailed. Like, were you in a lab doing doing work, or were you using a house as a as a lab? Like, what was that? No, thanks, um, thanks for turning it around. So, actually, yes, I, I wore a white coat. Believe it or not, um, a lot of safety goggles. So, I built um, high power microwave amplifiers, like super high power, really mainly for, frankly, for weapon systems or communication jammers. And so I would. I worked in a machine shop. I used um, Fortran computer, Fortran-based computer programs to design my parts. And I would build like I built something about the size of a local locomotive engine, like a small locomotive engine. And it was a had it emitted an electron ring that got spinning based on a changed magnetic field. What? Yeah, it was kind of cool. Really neat stuff. Like that I, is that is super. I cool. shot a wrench using that magnetic field. Um, through into a cinder block wall and it cracked the cinder block, the first layer of the cinder block. And right then my advisor in grad school walks in like, uh, what are you doing? <laughs> but, Do you have footage of that? Because somebody needs to see that footage. Yeah, it's bad. You know, and in fact, um, I worked around a lot of hazardous materials, like all the cinder blocks were lead lined. And it's interesting, I didn't expect to turn this around, but the point, the point was really that um, there is there is the humility and the slog through that stuff yeah, too, like chop, chop sawing cinder blocks and things like that. But there really is in certain jobs this sort of um, it's like you get to be the rock star because you had this brilliant idea, and, and everyone just like right. oh bow down, he had this great idea. But there's something about the steady dailiness of physical labor and and, and work, and even in what we do now, like so I design yep. enclosures and mechanical systems and. There's no real shortcut. I mean, experience helps, but for you, right? Like, so let's get into like sort of the heart of this. Like what, so audience, listeners, one <laughs> of the main place we want to take this conversation is the fact that when it comes to the building science industry and the trades and the way our society currently delivers homes to itself, the technology is not the constraint to tremendous outcomes, beneficial outcomes in many dimensions like health, comfort, durability, energy, you know, and I mean both embodied and uh, operational energy. So resource use, um, societal, uh, like labor equity, we've, we've talked about the trades, there's some exploitation mm -hmm. that can happen there. The point being that it's not a technology limited question, it's 
It's how do we engage from our perspective with the public? And mm -hmm. that is where you come in because yeah. you are a writer, you are a storyteller. How did you learn to be a storyteller? Where does that come from? Where is that a, uh, always had that? I, I was an English major in college and I was an English teacher for for about four years. Interesting. And yeah, right out of right out of grad school. I was always interested in writing, was always interested in uh, was interested in theater and and took a time out from fine, when I left Fine Home Building, I was a uh, aspiring screenwriter and and stage play uh, playwright. Cool. Um, and uh, so so I've always been interested in in those things and been very visual uh, learner and visual storyteller. So, you know, at Fine Home Building, that's where I really learned the, the, the nuts and bolts of telling stories in those two mediums, like visually and with words, because, and they're amazing at it, you know? And they, I got to work with, the, the, the editors at Fine Home Building are just, like, it, they're, they're incredible at what they do. That, that magazine's been all around for a very long time, and they are, Constantly, gra I was I was I was surrounded by people who were all getting at the same thing, which is how do we tell, how do we get this information to your point? How do we get this information across as clearly and as clearly as possible in a way that's engaging and is understandable for uh, you know a, a bunch of people? And sometimes we had six pages to do that sometimes mm -hmm. we had four pages to do that sometimes we had two pages to do that and if we had six pages to do it it still wasn't like it was never enough so we relied heavily on on the art department to um in the in the you know the visuals obviously to 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 help convey those stories and as time as as our society has shifted and our our media our medium has shifted you know to video um, you know, of course, this old house has always been telling a story in video, and they've been doing it for 41 years now. Wow. So they created that, you know, they very much created that genre of, you know, that other other TV shows and other channels have, right. have riffed off of right. now. But they were the first to do how-to video, like, ever. And they were doing it in 1979. Um, so... I, I learned just from being by being around some like people who are way smarter and way more talented than I ever was or ever will be and I'm like you know as they say like standing on the shoulders of, of people who are amazing at what they do Kevin Ireton Tim mm -hmm. Snyder mm -hmm. Bob Goodfellow um, Brian Pontalillo who's, who's now the editorial director um, like all those guys just have been they, they, I was lucky enough to work with them. Yeah, yeah. And there's this, there's this kind of deep, almost woo-woo thing where they call it limbic resonance, where deep down humans connect like Wi-Fi networks. You know, we're talking through our neocortex seat right mm -hmm. now. But mm -hmm. like when you work with people closely, you, you start to really just like get a feel for them and you, and it resonates. And yeah, I'm with you. And on that. you know what's interesting is they, um, I got there, and this might. Feel free to get rid of this if it's too much of a tangent, but it's coming to me now, so I want to share it. Yeah, please. I I I I applied for that job at Fine Home Building 
it took me a year and a half or two years to actually get it. Like I went through an initial stage and then didn't get the job. They they ended up hiring Justin Fink, who mm-hmm. was the edit the the editor for a long time. Yeah. And then there was another opening, and I got to I got a shot at that and went through a long process and and got that job. And I got there coming off of a I I was I was building houses as part of a crew. It wasn't I wasn't the only one, but we were up. When I learned to build, we did everything. We, you know, set the footings, poured the footings, poured the pad, put the ra- put the radiant in the floor, um, framed everything. We did all the rough in wiring and finish wiring. Did all the finish work, hung in the drywall. Like we did everything. So it was an incredible experience for me. But we were also not doing. We were doing like semi custom houses. Like mm-hmm. They weren't like you guys are used to working on the, the other, you know, other architects are, they weren't architecturally designed houses. So hmm. they were hmm. vinyl sided in a lot of cases. I, I did a lot of vinyl and bending metal and all that stuff. Um, so when I got to find home building, hmm. I felt like I was, you know, I was, it was <laughs> I was marrying up in a very, very big way. There you go. You know, I had been, I had been reading the magazine for a long time, but would get made fun of on my job sites I was working on for having the magazine on the seat of my pickup truck because, you know, it was like, put the coping saw away, you know? Like, no, you're not using the biscuit joiner to put the casing together. Like, you're not doing that on this house. It was that sort of thing. And not to knock any of the work that was going on there or, or the builder I was working for because he had a price point. He had a, you know, he was he was working at a, at a certain... Um, you know, he was working with his own constraints and, and meeting them. And, and I get that now, especially now after many years in the, in the industry, but it was, I always wanted, aspired to doing different and, and more heirloom quality work, but I never had the skills to do it. And now I was landed in fine home building where I was getting to work with builders around the country, carpenters around the country, plumbers, electricians who were, who were working at that level. And I was introduced to a, to a, a type of building I got to see firsthand the kind of building that I always aspired to want to work on mm-hmm. and when I got there so it, it created this huge imposter syndrome for me like uh, I yeah. got to find home building yeah. and felt like it was like I just didn't belong because everything I knew was very basic compared to what we were going to be reporting on and the editor Kevin Ireton, who was the editor-in-chief at the time, amazing, amazing, wise, kind guy, mm-hmm. said to me early on, he, I was like, this is so hard. Like, I can't believe it. Was, I was speaking more to the editorial process at the time because that was very new to me, but it was really related to everything. I said, I just feel like I'm never going to get this. I'm Like, this is so hard. I don't know how, like, I don't know how I'm going to do it. And he was, he said, Chris, why do you think that you can walk in here and do what we do and just be able to do it well? Like, A, like, why do you think that's possible? Get that out of your head. You give yourself too much credit, <laughs> you know? And then B, it was like, he, he, and then he was, he was letting me off the hook and he said, you're, it's going to take you two years to even understand what this job is. And in that conversation, he basically said to me, like, just try, work your butt off, and we're going to support you and help you grow, and you have nothing to worry about. And I'm, you know, I tend towards pushing myself 
you know, like we all do in this industry. Like I was surrounded by people who always wanted to be better at what they did. And I'm surrounded by people now, you know, everybody I work with at this old house is the same way. So, you know, you always rise to, you know, when you're playing that, you know, I remember in football, you know, sports in, in high school, you always play bet, you, you always play up, you know, when you're playing a, a better team, you're always playing up and it improves your skills. And yeah. that's, that really played out for me in my career at fine home building. And I'm forever grateful to Kevin Ireton for giving me that, you know, for being gracious enough to give me that space and the permission to, you know, own where I was, but also acknowledge that you're going to get to another place eventually. And like, we got you. That's awesome. And look yeah. out for opportunities to pay that forward, my friend. Yeah, oh, I do. I, I all the time. I'm absolutely, I'm very mindful of that. Um, I'm very mindful of that. I want to just riff off of a couple things you just said. So first of all, Fine Home Building Magazine, JLC, and Home Energy Magazine. Do you remember Home Energy Magazine? I do remember Home Energy Magazine. I have to admit, I, I you know, it was, it's been years since mm -hmm. I looked at it. No, I don't think it's out anymore. It, okay, okay. But those magazines for me, they would come to my house every month, starting in like the late 90s, if, if they existed then. Mm -hmm. But those were the only magazines I got. The internet was basically non-existent in my life, and I would literally read those cover to cover, every word in every advertisement, right? That's and now today, like, there's a stark reality that, you know, our podcast, so listeners, thank you so much for listening, your podcast, thank you for listening to his. Yeah, but you and I, Chris, we are um, attention merchants, mm -hmm. and human attention is, you know, it's big, but it's finite. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, people feel the, like Dilbert says, a fire hose aimed at a teacup effect mm -hmm. a lot. And so I'm with you, the, the feeling of the imposter syndrome. It's like you could never possibly learn all that to which you could avail yourself because it's just so big. Um, yeah. And like you mm -hmm. probably, yeah. the, like, I, I assume from talking to you the little bit that we've gotten to talk, but yeah. you know, knowing your career that, that I, what I know, like you, you just want more. Like Absolutely. I just want more. I want to learn more. I want to know more. And that's, what's so great for me, like working at fine home building at JLC and now at this old house, I get to look over the shoulders of people who are amazing at what they do and ask them why they're doing that. Why'd you do that? You know, how'd you do that? And, just soak it up. Like, I love it. I love that's it. That's soaking it up. That's it, right? The, the human interest, human caring is what really you get. And yeah, I was just talking to someone a few days ago about our company, Positive Energy here. And, uh, you know, there's kind of basically you go into business for two different reasons, fundamentally, right? The why. One is like to support my family, to support myself, to achieve the physical external things that I want. And the other one is like sense of meaning, a sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. We are much more um, on the meaning and purpose side and positive energy. I mean, we're doing fine financially. In fact, COVID has been good for us because we've been talking about air quality forever. And I hate the fact that that's a, there's a silver lining with the mm -hmm. pandemic. But the point is that um, I will do this for the rest of my life on the planet. I love this stuff. I will never stop doing it. I hope I can keep doing it for my own company. 
But I am, and my wife's the co-owner, we are, we are I live to fight another day company, right? Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. made payroll this quarter, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. and some savings going up, but we're, we're not yeah. like, mwahaha, here comes my yacht, you know? And, right, right, right. And I mean, that's common, that's more common than not in our- I in think our, so. You know, you're either, you're either don't, don't exist after a few years or a couple, or a year, or a couple years, or you're in that place. I mean, very few, I think very few businesses, uh, your, your, your business is, is there to serve. Like yeah. you're, you're, you're serving there your customers you in a very real way. And, and you, you could argue that everybody in the trades is, is doing that, but the way it's, it's all about your approach, right? I mean, I think that's, that's the way that mm-hmm. you said like yeah. you're, it's all about your way in. Um, and that's something that I learned very clearly at fine home building too. You know, as much as I love to, as much as I love to look over the shoulders of, of these people who are amazing at what they do, the thing that I got to do at fine home building and that I, I, I try to do that. I love that I get to do now is that I get to celebrate, celebrating the trades, celebrating the people who are doing the work, celebrating, you know, Jen Nawada's expertise or Mauro Enrique's expertise or Tommy Silva's like, you know, like getting to, celebrate that and put it in the in front of people and just be like like this is what these people can do like that's that's how that's how i see my role and and the way i'm sort of serving in this at this time mm-hmm. i hear that and it's interesting so that brings up a question so you know, you're talking about we're here to serve right and and i think that we both feel that like in a real mm-hmm. at, a, at a poignant level like th- this is an honor and this is a mm-hmm. responsibility and um, for you, I think maybe for this old house, cause there's a lot of people, there's a lot of overhead. I would imagine that sponsorship money and advertising money, that is the nutrient that keeps this ecosystem flowing and provides the serve, the benefit that, you know, you serve the public. So you have this kind of, I mean, I, I have the same thing. Like I do building science and engineering work to keep mm-hmm. this podcast going but I don't have sponsor interests, which might tend to distort my message as much. How do you navigate that? Public good or the greater good on one yeah. hand, and yet money needs to happen. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a great question. You know, well, we're, you know, being founded in PBS and, and rooted at PBS, it's oh, already right. part yeah. of our DNA. Um, so, and, and anything we're doing outside of PBS, whether it's a sponsored project on, you know, on our website or a live stream like one that I did with Christine Williamson mm-hmm. um, on on in- installing windows that was sponsored by Marvin we, all all of our partners are more interested they're, they're all of our partners are interested in educating mm-hmm. their our audience yeah. and that's and and so they they come at it from that perspective you know we're never trying to sell anything we're trying to educate, you know, how to how to install a window the best way possible, you know. Um, so that's that's we 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 stay grounded in the in that PBS mantra of, you know, no, yes, we have sponsors, we have underwriters for the show, and yes, we'll do sponsored content, but we're not. Our 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 partners seem to understand that we're not going to push anything we're not we're you know it's not our place to to sell a product it's 
it's to inform our audience and that's that's always the goal that's where you know we try to come come from and you know using the the marvin uh sponsored live stream as an example that i did with 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 christine williamson i, I produced that that particular one i produced all the proto pro live streams um some of which were sponsored by festival that one was sponsored by marvin we had some other ones um sponsored by like state farm and they you know it was always the same conversation um they wanted to support our efforts to teach and educate our our audience and with christine williamson it was like such a it was such a no-brainer you know it was like they they asked me what my idea if i had any ideas about you know what what a live stream sponsored live stream could be and it was like you know immediately i thought christine williamson because i'd seen her building science fight club you know i follow her on instagram of course because it's amazing and she had done a thing recently it was it was all just you know good timing i guess um although i, I think it was something bigger than that but you know <laughs> she she i had seen this post it was about um you know the three key elements to window i think she was speaking specifically to windows or indoors of, of water management air management and then thermal yeah you know thermal management so it was like I, I called her up and and we started talking and then she laid that out for me in that conversation i was like look can you you know what do you think can we can we do a live stream about that just that like we don't need to talk about anything specific to any manufacturer anything let's just talk about those principles and your perspective on them and particularly her i i it's such a great video and her her she's so good at explaining things but she she's she's masterful i think at teaching this stuff especially somebody like me who like i have an interest in what you guys do and building science and all that but you know my ability to comprehend and grasp it you know i can't get deep into the weeds about vapor control and you know and uh, the 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 differences between dif um um hydrostatic pressure and capillary action right, like, exactly you know, I, mean, I, mean, I mean it's, it's probably to your audience sounds like i'm an idiot but you know it's like i i, I need i get the I, I need the some of it i can take a deep dive into and her process in installing windows i was like all in and that's that's how you know that's how we try to that's how we try to approach that kind of content mm -hmm. and your your skill is to recognize the when you're listening to a tremendous educator to say, this is it, this is the message. Yeah, there's a beautiful quote, it's a comparative religions quote, which tempts me to go back to when you said something deeper, but I'll bring you back in a minute. But it, this, yeah. this is beautiful, it's Houston Smith, and it says, the larger the continent of knowledge, the longer the shoreline of mystery. So there's this interesting thing, like people like Christine, um, John Straub, Joe Stieber, I mean, we could just go on. I shouldn't start yeah. listing them because I'll miss so many important people. Yeah. But what happens is they become self-humbling because they realize there is so much to know. The more I learn, the more I realize there's this shoreline of mystery around this continent of knowledge I have. And it's an interesting thing where you can almost start to recognize sometimes there's other people that are a little more 
they have a very small um, continent of knowledge, but on that there is very little shoreline of mystery, such that they're very confident, like cocky, mm -hmm. and sometimes mm -hmm. wrong, like just yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah. Or they were uh, right in some sense, but they need to put it in context. And I listen to it, I'm like, oh yeah, maybe, but that was too simple. It's usually me in the room when someone's like talking to my dad. My dad's HVAC contractor in Maryland comes in, and I happen to be on the couch watching a football game. And I'm just listening to him like, oh, my God. <laughs> and my dad will say, you don't yeah. want to get my son involved here. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I would love to hear those. I'd be a fly on the wall in those conversations. My dad has I this return. That, just very brief quickly. He has a return that's undersized. Whenever it comes on, it goes. <laughs> and my dad, just smooth as can be, gets the remote and turns the volume up. <laughs> <laughs> 30 years you know yeah. i'm like oh, that's undersized return yeah okay but that's funny yeah so you get me actually a little jealous i was thinking about jlc fine home building building science summer camp christine all you know the northeast is just such a rich hotbed of building science and community and you know fundamentally here in the south um like up there, you get this sense of community, right? Like I go to Nessie and I'm just like, oh, I wanna be part of this community. And then I come home, I get on the airplane, I come back to the deep south, and I am suddenly like the unappreciated rebel in the building world. And people say to me a lot, like, where do you get this stuff? Like, what is this craziness you're speaking about? Like ventilation, <laughs> you know? And you don't wanna bring hot, humid air in, and it's like, oh. But slowly, it's, it's changed. It's changed in the last yeah. 10 years. Yeah, for sure. But so yeah, you're in, you're in. Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, please. Yeah, I, I'm in the I'm in the South, and um, yeah. you know, I, if I had to generalize, I would say adherence to tradition. Is, and it's, but that's in the same in the North. Never mind. I guess yeah. adherence to a different tradition <laughs> doesn't include building science. But bringing you back to storytelling, right? Like there there is this um, there's this responsibility to curate the content, right? And you have basically an unlimited smorgasbord of like, I could talk about this tool, this tool bit, you know, how to sharpen yeah. this blade or how to um, how to sequence contractors through a site. Um, yeah. How do you do it's, that? Is there a it's very overwhelming. It's very <laughs> difficult. And particularly like in the tool world, like I'm creating, I'm working on a, a new video series right now, reviewing tools and, and, and talking about um, like tool buying guides and that sort of thing. And it's, it's, it's overwhelming. Like there's so many, you know, cause you, obviously you got to start with the audience. Like who's your, what audience are you going after? Am I, am I targeting the general population DIYers? Am I targeting, um, professional contractors? Am I targeting a professional electrician? You know, like it's, it's, it's hard. So that's where I, I try to start. You know, I, I, I don't have any, um, I don't have any firsthand interaction in the production of the show, but I'm involved. I get to be on the calls, and uh, I, before COVID, I was on those job sites a lot, trying to get other content for our, our um, you know, social and uh, for our website. And you know, like you said, like there's so many opportunities. There's just it's it's, it's, it's never ending, and our 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 showrunner, uh, senior producer John Tomlin is he's a master at that. You know, he can hear 
Tommy or Jeff Sweener or Jed Nwata or any of them, you know, Charlie talking about what what's coming up and he can he, he just hears it. He he knows it before they even finish talking about it almost. It's 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 pretty cool cuz he's been, you know, he's been producing TV shows for a very long time. Okay, so that's the and show you're referring to. This old house, not the this, this old, old house, house podcast. Right. Yes. Yes. So your, was your question specific to the podcast? No, it, it could be either one, actually. I was okay. just curious what you're answering. Like, mm-hmm. So taking that to the podcast, you know, the po- the po- people write us. So we have two shows. We have, the, we have Ask This Old House, the TV show, and we have This Old House, the show. The, and Ask This Old House, people uh, around the country write in. They've got a question about an upgrade or a maintenance thing or um, some fix that they need. And we will go, you know, we, we sort through those, try to find, you know, our producer, Sarah Chase, she, she tries to find, she was also masterful at this as well, targeting the thing that, like, what's the, what's the nugget of information in there that would be interesting to our audience or that would be super educational to our audience, you know? There was a um, Mark McCullough, who's our our mason, who's just I love talking to him because he has so much. All these all these guys, I yeah. love talking to all of them. But Mar- and Mark McCullough in particular, I'm thinking about right now because he did a segment on restoring a beehive oven. Um, mm. That was just it wasn't very. It didn't have a huge. Um, not a ton of people have beehive uh, old, you know, original beehive ovens, but the process and watching him, you know, a trades per, trades person go in and restore it was like fascinating. It was so cool. Yeah. And so they get to they get to hear those things and and find those those opportunities with with what falls away or there isn't always enough. Obviously, we get a lot of submissions. We can't cover all of them, and we are now getting submissions for the podcast as well, but people have specific questions about how to fix something, um, and we just look for, you know, with Sarah Chase as well, she, was, she, she had the first eye on this of, like, getting those submissions and thinking, this would be good for the podcast, let's, let's think about this, and so I, I get to weigh in on that, um, you know, is this something that we could tell, is this a, is this a story potentially we could tell a discussion that we could have that would be interesting in audio format only or is this really only you know for the show do we need to see all the visuals and you know truthfully i think i think we're still trying to kind of figure that out but i think the mix we we recorded 15 we have 15 episodes total for this season and we tried to get a mix of all the trades all the different things that people would be repairing or maintenance stuff in their house and from all over the country and the main thing that I think that I'm trying to do is is make the conversation interesting bring make these the homeowners relatable have a conversation with them about their house that you know you listen to Miguel listens to anybody listens to who may not necessarily be you know you may not have to weed you know, have weeds in your patio, but <laughs> just hearing them talk about it, you can relate to them. They're, they're, mm-hmm. you know, it's relevant. The, the, their house, it's relevant. And, and then on the back end, so I'll, I interview the person, the homeowner about the problem and their question. And then on the second half, 
I interview the expert about the answer. And that's where we take a deep dive into, you know, like with Mark McCullough, how to, how to find that specific limestone brick that this homeowner has in Narragansett, Rhode Island, that's on his original Victorian that has everyone who's owned it has been an incredible steward of it since it was built in the 1800s. And here's a guy who has a lot of knowledge is trying to restore it and can't locate this specific kind of brick. But Mark McCullough off the top of his head knows exactly where to get it. Uh, Even though the guys literally tried, you know, the, the homeowner has tried 50 different places to find it. And Mark McCullough is like, Oh yeah, here's what you need to do. And yeah, so like the pot. So there as a listening experience, I hope that that's interesting for, for our audience. Yeah. So to just follow along in that journey and, and that discovery. You know, as you're saying this, it reminds me a lot of car talk. <laughs> that, yeah. That show on NPR yeah, with too. click and clack and just, so much fantastic knowledge of cars that the ordinary car owner wouldn't have otherwise had. That's an, it's interesting that you bring that up because our so our our the product our producers of of the podcast of Ask This Old House podcast and of Clear Story our first podcast is Rococo Punch and they uh, John Parati um, and Catherine Finalosa both were producers on Car Talk. So they, they bring that knowledge and experience and expertise to, to the table, and, and that's, that's a lot of where we're coming from when we're, when we're doing it. That's fascinating. Yeah. yeah. So it's, and it's not a super poised, curated experience listening to Car Talk. It's just very natural. It feels very genuine. At least it feels like that. Maybe it's... Yeah. Well, no, it's, and, and my hope is that our, our episodes, you know, I have a, I'll have a... 15-minute conversation with the homeowner who wrote in, and then I'll have a 45-minute conversation with the expert after that. And Catherine Finalosa and John Parati of Rococo Punch, they can they cinch that down to 10 minutes or 15 minutes. And it sounds, I hope, it feels to me like it sounds like just a natural progression in conversation. Um, and that's the way they produced Car Talk, too, I think. Wow. Same, same kind of thing. That's fascinating to know. Yeah. That's fascinating to yeah. know. That's cool. And so you it's, said... It's a lot of fun. You said that your um, people are submitting questions from, from literally all over the country. Yeah. I didn't yep. appreciate that. Yeah, we have, um, you know, Colorado Springs, Pennsylvania, uh, Connecticut, Ohio, Texas, Arlington, Texas, hmm. uh, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Georgia... Uh, yeah, so you're, you're getting into yeah. lots of different climate zones now. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Building science and, is starting to come in. Yeah, for sure. And, and our, um, our, home, uh, our home technology expert, Ross Truthui, he's an engineer as well and is just, you know, you guys, I don't know if you know him. Oh, yeah. Or have seen hey, him. Ross. So, yeah, so, you, you know, the, those conversations are, are really fascinating to me and, and Ross has such an incredible breadth of knowledge in building science and in home performance and he can you know he can answer these questions he can he can he knows what questions to ask to have an answer you know it's it's pretty um and hopefully if i've done my job i've already asked those questions (laughs) to give him the answers you know but i'm not always i'm not always that far ahead of him yeah so yeah he's he's super bright i like that guy a lot um 
he and I sometimes talk offline about how we can make the industry more interested in really good design up front instead mm. of fixing it. So there's there's deeper questions. That, that's what I was gonna kind of get to is like, like what's on your personal horizon for the podcast? And, and we're moving toward the end here on this podcast, but like, do you think you're gonna constantly leave it as homeowner question driven or are you gonna start asking questions? I would like to start asking questions. I would like to get into some of the other I would like to explore some of the other more fundamental questions, you know, like, should I be replacing my windows? Um, yeah. And um, what what does it mean to live in a comfortable, like, comfortable old house? How does that, how is that possible? You know, I, I'm, I'm, my house was built in, in 1905. And like this morning, I went to open the uh, open the blinds in the living room. And I was like, I was, this draft came in. And I'm like, all right, I'm not I, I know what I have to do here, but I'm not ready to do it. I can't even face it. I, I'm not going to sit in that chair until it gets warmer um, in the day. <laughs> and you know, people, the thing that the thing, you know, this is, I think, hopefully to your point, or hopefully speaks to your question, but the thing that I find interesting that I'd love to explore more is how to get people who live in old houses to understand, like, the difference between living in a comfortable environment that is energy efficient and you know, how, how, how much more enjoyable that is, you know, people, old houses have such a bad rap because, you know, people, I have friends here where I live who just like tore out all the windows in their gorgeous Victorian and put in vinyl replacement windows because those windows were drafty. And no matter how much I objected and I did object, it was it was just a non I couldn't get through to them. And I don't want to be I want to be careful about not about having too hard a, a perspective on some of this stuff, because I do want to continue to be the one who asks the questions. But I do want to try and and I think I think we do this in the show very well. And, you know, Tom Silva is super knowledgeable about all of it obviously because he's been doing it he's been he's been putting all these things in practice you know Tom, tommy knows so much about building science and energy efficiency and, and durable durability and comfort he puts it into practice every day and, and we try to you know i think with the show we try to we convey those opportunities to folks and i want to i want to carry that forward like i want to keep that going i want to i want to get people to understand where they can spend their money, spend their energy, spend their time and, and what the results are going to be and why it's worth it. And it's not always just, you know, you're, you're ripping out 150 year old houses that didn't need to be ripped out and you mean windows? final in them. Yeah. It's, it's not just the, you know, I have my own visceral, you know, perspective on all that, um, from a, from a, um, you know, not, not just on an energy standpoint, but, of course. but just philosophically, you know, why I don't, I don't believe in that or don't think it, you know, it's, 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 it's necessary sometimes, but rarely. Um, I want to, I want to people to understand, help people understand what else is possible instead of those, 
you know, those steps. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, so thinking about not, not curating content, but a home, when you bring experts in that have expertise in building science, you can help curate the client experience. I mean, architecture is the same thing. It's curating mm -hmm. not just the visual experience, ideal, ideally, but sometimes architecture seems to have devolved down into status and visuals. But fundamentally, like you were mentioning thermal comfort, you know, your dominant thermal experience is surrounding surface temperatures. It's not air temperature, and yet people don't realize that. And and yet there's something deeper. Like if you have an old house there, um, you can't just retrofit one thing without changing everything. So there's that whole building science perspective. But really on top of that, I think what a lot of us feel is it it's like a touchstone back to a time where true deep craftsman's, craftsmanship was the norm, where material mm -hmm. and research resource conservation and, and appreciation were the norm. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we didn't have this petrochemical fueled economy and everything could be overcome. Yeah. And frankly, in a lot of those older homes, and we work on a lot of home and uh, uh, historic home retrofits down here, I tend to take the, the enclosure is what it is approach. Like I would like to leave the enclosure as authentic as I can leave it. There are certain areas mm -hmm. where, you know, if it's got durability issues, water management or water vapor management issues, you have to deal with it. But you, there are tremendous up, uh, enhancements in mechanical systems, right? Yep. And uh, yeah. so you could just say, look, the enclosure is what it is. We're going to make it comfortable. But beyond comfort today, I mean, really, you know, that my horizon and, and my lifelong commitment is to human thriving indoors. And it is so impactful. You start to learn about it. You've, you've, you sound like Chicken Little if you talk about it. Like, oh, my gosh, like basically everything could be better. Um, and unlike thermal comfort, my last point here, unlike thermal comfort, the things that make you unhealthy, your native senses as a mammal do not detect any of them. You can't smell, mm -hmm. it, can't see, it, can't taste it. it. It's deep into your lungs. A lot of these particles are direct to blood and yikes. So things like yeah. ventilation and filtration become really important. Mm -hmm. But you know, you know, immediately when you walk into a house that has been designed well in all of those ways and you are in there for a little you know for five minutes you take a deep breath you know it like you just know it compared to you know how when you walk into a house that isn't been wasn't done that way or that has a lot of whatever in 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 the carpet and in the exactly yeah i agree all with those you places like it's it's you you i do think there's some part of us that that senses it and you, unless you've been in, you know, you've had an opportunity to kind of be in those environments like you guys have and get to do regularly. I've had an opportunity to do that in my career, go into houses that are like, were built with health in, in, in mind. Yeah. And like, you know the difference and most people don't know the difference. Absolutely. And it's tough to, it's tough to. Um, but your body knows, yeah, you, you try your to over, you, yeah. you try to say like, you know, what I really need in my house is a Tesla Powerwall because my, my ego, my status mind is gonna say, ah, oh, it's gonna make me um, have higher status in my peer group. But there's this interesting thing, like the human body is very sensitive, but something like a half millionth, so somewhere between one 250 thousandth and a half millionth of what our body takes in makes it to our neocortex, right? So those, so when someone says, I'm uncomfortable in my home, let me look around, it's the window. I'm gonna replace my window. 
what just happened was like this presumption that I can with my eyes <laughs> determine what the problem is. And it's like, no, right. no, you need an expert to help you that. Yeah, exactly. That's why mold exactly. is such a big issue because mold is a visual. Um, it's usually not the biggest indoor health issue, you know. And um, So we've come a pretty long way. Um, I think we should start wrapping it up. I think that um, I would like to just open it up for you. Is there anything that we haven't said that you would like to touch on? Yeah, so just first, thanks so much for having me on. You know, folks can hear our podcast, Ask This Old House podcast drops every Thursday. Awesome. You know, all that. We've got um, a second season coming of Clear Story, uh, hopefully in the spring. And hoping to do a, a, a second season of ask this old house podcast and we'll just encourage listeners to uh to send us your questions and don't be afraid to to ask difficult bigger questions about houses and and how they work and how they should work better and um you know we'll, we'd love to hear from you and uh yeah that's it well thank you again chris and thank you all for listening and we'll have links in the show notes to all that Talk to you next time. Thanks, you guys. All right, we're out.